Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Raskin. I am a writer, mental health advocate, and my nail chipped, and I'm pissed about it. Hi, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I'll pretend I didn't notice your nail. You did notice it? Yeah. I was trying to debate if I meant if it was noticeable or not, because I just got it done like only a week and a half ago, and these are supposed to last three weeks. Your nails are a great color. Here's what happened is the color was really noticeable. And so I was like, what a cool color. And then I was like, oh, one's chip. That's annoying. God damn it. <laughs> Sorry. You, you should get. And they're so expensive because I get the super expensive kinds so that they'll last longer. And then what the hell is this? I could might as well just have had shitty gel. Go back and, and have them redo just that one. That's not how it works. What do you, yes, they can. You absolutely no, can. No, but it's been over a week and a half. Doesn't matter. But I would have to pay so much money to have them do that. No. Yes. These people are gouging me, Gabe. If you, just, <laughs> you don't understand. If you go back and you complain and say the one nail broke, they'll just redo it. But for, for what price? Zero dollars. No, no, no. Like what? Yeah, it's like 15, 20 bucks. I'm not going to do it's that. It's their fault. Is it though? I think it's their fault. If it happened like the next day, then they'll fix it for free. But if it's been like a week and a half, they're not going to fix it for you. What if you got a, a matching color, just of regular nail polish and you just kind of filled in the gap? You don't understand what it's like to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> this is just between us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice. Ridiculous games. And brutal honesty. I've lost all capacity to understand womanhood. Yeah, you don't get I it. I sound like your dumb boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you just go back and tell them it doesn't work? <laughs> As if I don't live in fear at the nail salon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have got a very fun episode and a, a juicy XXX. Well, not, I guess it's not that explicit. No, it was like very like heartwarming in some ways. We have a uh, an interview with Maisha Battle all about sex advice, but it became like more like just like how to how to keep the relationship going. Yeah, it was know? lovely. She's a, a sex and dating coach. Yeah, um, and it was just about intimacy more so. I feel. Did it seem like I I also knew what I was talking about? Definitely. You asked a specific question. I didn't even know what that was. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you you know I feel that you've learned a lot. Thank From you. like in your in your early dating days of our friendship. You know what I mean? Oh, I was just making stuff up. No, no, no. No, like, I was. Were... I was making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> you were also like more defined. And now you're like very much like, well, who knows? Yeah. Well, I've interviewed a lot of sex therapists. Right, well, yeah. And I took a class on sex therapy. It was a two day 
seminar class I took for grad school. And what'd you learn? It's not real. Sex well, isn't real and no one's having it. <laughs> I learned, we, we learned this thing about um, that the, the, the Viagra pills that they tried to have for women and how it's not real. Uh, oh. Lots of interesting things. I wish I remembered more of it. Probably a placebo effect. Well, no, it doesn't even work. <laughs> I know, but if you take it, you might have a placebo yes, maybe, effect. maybe. And then the second day of the seminar, I think the teacher got ill and, and I felt like that's my nightmare. That you have the poops and you have to be running this all day seminar. Oh no! You knew it was the poops. Well, I suspected. Reasonably <laughs> I was about to make this dumbest joke where I was like, "The libido pill for women? You mean a shoes sale?" <laughs> what? You're so out of touch with women. <laughs> I'm out of touch with men too. I'm not like enough of a man to know the joke. Later on in the episode, we'll be talking about millennials and what's it like to no longer be the young ones. Sure. Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Maisha Battle. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, most controversial segment known to all of podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, we have Maisha Battle, a certified sex and dating coach, author and educator and host of KCRW's How's Your Sex Life podcast. Her book, This Is Supposed to Be Fun, How to Find Joy in Hooking Up, Settling Down and Everything in Between is available now. What a great title. Thank you. (laughs) So we've talked to sex therapists before, but something I want to like kind of dive in with you is like, what are the most common issues that you see people bringing to you that maybe people don't realize are as as common as they are? <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of crossover between what I work with clients on and sex therapists. Um, I'm a certified sex coach. So I just want to make that distinction okay. for your listeners um, because I am not a licensed mental health practitioner. And that's the main distinction between a sex therapist and a sex coach. Um, For me, I wanted to work with clients directly who identified as like pretty well, like no other issues going on, just like stuff going on in my sex life that I don't really understand or know how to work through. And those are very common concerns that most of us think are just us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, big ones are low libido mismatched libido in a partnership. Those I get a lot um, throughout the life stages. My company is called Sex for Life because I do think that, you know, sexuality is something that will ebb and flow throughout the course of life. And we're all going to experience challenges at some point or another. I think those are the the top like big two that I get over and over again. I am a dating coach as well. So I work with people who are looking for partners and that's obviously a big concern. But I work specifically with folks that want to make sex a part of that experience. So I'm not here to say, wait three days before you have sex. That's not my vibe. I'm here to say, what is the kind of sexual connection that you want with a future partner or partners? And how do we set you up for success to get that? I know there's like some kind of disagreement over the idea of someone being like low libido, high libido. And in in reality, it's more just like, about having being able to access like your sexual desire and whether or not like there's too much going on in your life to be able to access that. So like 
How, what is your point of view on that? Like, do you think some people are truly low libido or is it more that there's maybe more barriers for them? There's definitely nuance to it, like I said, over the course of someone's life too. So someone who in their 20s, say, identified as very high sex drive, they may have had hormones on their side. And then moving into partnership later on into life, noticing that, you know, as things calm down and you establish trust, consistency, routine with someone, sexual desire does tend to wane. And we see that. Um, There's a fantastic book by Esther Perel called Mating in Captivity about this. And um, I definitely recommend it to, to a lot of my clients to learn more about this phenomenon. But yeah, I think that it's worth exploring the idea that sexual energy does ebb and flow, whether that's, you know, on a biological level, meaning like your estrogen or testosterone changes at some point in your life, or there are life circumstances that what I like to say, sit on top of desire and make it more difficult to access. So I think it's a little bit of a both and, and I think you're going to get a lot of that from me (laughs) Uh, in this this conversation because that's, that's definitely who I am. (laughs) I'm a yes and kind of person. No, that's good because everybody is so different. And so we're always wary of experts who are like, and this is definitely the answer for everybody. Yeah. I've just seen too much. I've seen too much and I've talked to too many people about the specifics of their life and their challenges to know that there's not one one reason for low libido. One like reason that I think we don't talk enough about for low libido is you know being on the asexual spectrum. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people really don't recognize that for themselves because it's a whole identity that they would have to, you know, really grapple with and kind of understand and and come into. So, you know, they might just be beating themselves up relationship after relationship because they just don't have the same level of desire as their partners. Can you dive into a bit more about the spectrum of asexuality and the amount of people that might fall under it without realizing? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, right? I mean, sex data is so hard to gather because people lie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you want to seem like their sex lives are greater than they are. And so it's, it's really difficult to know like how many people are really at the kind of tail end of the spectrum in terms of desire um, on either ends. Right. I think there's also a lot of stigma about being hypersexual, somebody who just like has a really super high sex drive. So yeah, it's difficult to know how many people would fall into that bucket. What I have seen though, is that when I work with clients who may not know that asexuality or gray sexuality exists, they sometimes are scared and they're sometimes relieved. I think specifically when I mention gray sexuality, which is I don't really think about or care about sex and haven't my entire life, except under certain circumstances. There might be a specific partner who they found sexual connection with them for whatever reason was just something they were interested in, something that piqued their interest. Or it could be that like from time to time, they might get a pang of interest in sex. And that might look like uh, more of a relationship to, to self. Um, so engaging in solo sex. But yeah, I think it's it's something that we probably should be talking a lot more about. And people who have this experience of yeah, I thought it was low desire, but turns out I'm, you know, on the A spectrum. I would, you know, I want more of that in popular media. I mean, there are definitely people on on you know, social media who speak very candidly about this experience, but I think the mainstream doesn't really know about it. So there are 
definitely gaps in people's understanding of their own sexuality because they don't know that this is a perfectly valid identity. Well, I think they think nobody's going to want to be with them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a big struggle. And I think maybe there's also this idea that if you're asexual, that means you never want to have sex ever. And is that your understanding of it or is it more like gray? It can be, but I do think that I see more gray, mostly because people who are asexual or identify that way at some point maybe didn't. Mm -hmm. And so they had sex. They tried it out to figure out if this is something that was an activity that they wanted. And maybe it was like a resounding, no, I never want to do that again. Um, It's just not for me. Or it may have taken years for them to like keep trying and be like, oh, maybe it's the partner. Maybe it's something that I'm doing wrong, you know, kind of testing things out for themselves for a time. And like I said, it can manifest in a relationship to self. So some people might say, well, if I have a masturbation practice, but just don't like having sex with other people, does that make me asexual? And I think that's a personal choice of how people want to define. Yeah. Or like you said, being interested in sex under certain circumstances or, you know, I'm thinking of like demisexual people or things like that. We're going to take a quick break for commercials and we'll be right back with our guest. Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying. She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness, both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. 
It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. back it is interesting because it's funny high libido and low libido i wonder if that isn't dictated by representation and and um society and media where it's like how do we know that someone is high oh because these are our depictions of sex addicts how do we know that someone is low libido oh because you know we see depictions of relationships falling apart because the i'm gonna say the woman doesn't want to have sex enough or whatever So like, I mean, how much of that is like stigma on both ends? Yeah. Oh, I think it's a ton of stigma. And one of the first things that I talk to my clients about, you know, when they are struggling is like, well, what is your ideal? You know, like, what do you have in your mind as this thing that you want to work towards? And that's when we start hearing, well, I know I should want Mm -hmm. to have sex. I know I should not masturbate as much as I do. I know I shouldn't do these things. Right. And whenever there's a should, there's more interrogation there. And it usually comes back to cultural messages, media, things that people have absorbed from their friend groups. You know, I don't know how many times I've worked with clients where, you know, I don't ask the question directly, like, who told you that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but it comes out like at some point, somebody says something to a group of friends and their friends maybe don't even have to say anything back to them. They just look at them like, you know, you think that, you know, and it shuts the conversation down. So, you know, that internalized shame that comes from, oh, I have this authentic experience of myself and I'm trying to square that with what society is telling me. And I'm being met with a lot of resistance can definitely force people to feel like, okay, something's wrong with me. This is a problem with me. Yeah. Or even like, you know, you talk about dating. And you said you don't have the three date rule. Do you feel like that is also like a societal shame thing? Like, why do you say you don't you don't practice that kind of stuff? Well, I'm proof positive that it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I had sex with lots of people on first dates and had romantic partnerships with them because I was with people who respected me, (laughs) you know, so there's there's that. But then I also think that all of these things you know, whenever you're kind of trying to discern whether a source of your sexual information is good or going to be, you know, helpful for you, really check to see if they are giving those black and white statements of, you know, this is what you have to do to be a this type of person. This is what you need to look like to be desirable. This is what a first date should consist of if that person really cares about you. Because, you know, relationships take all different kinds of forms. Care takes a lot of different forms. Respect takes a lot of different forms. It is very possible to have sex on a first date with someone who respects you. And that does turn into a relationship. Or it's equally likely, in my opinion, to wait the requisite amount of time to have sex and have a terrible relationship with that person, (laughs) right? So, you know, we really, we don't challenge the flip side, right? It's just like, here's the rule, follow it. But there's no follow-up questions to that. Like, how did that work out for you? What did that relationship look like? I love, I mean, it's, I'm not like trying to throw shade, but I think it's very telling that the two women who wrote the book, The, the Rules of Dating, 
they've like been married and divorced several times. (laughs) Well, shows that it's working. They've had several husbands. (laughs) Exactly. Keep locking them down. Yeah. The whole point of the book, though, is like to find the one. And it's like, "Mm, okay. To to find the few. Um. (laughs) Right. To find the few that work for you. And I think if we're going there, then we have to like really press back on these rules and what they're for. And a lot of these rules are to police women and their sexuality. That's, you know, bottom line. I also think, though, that so much of those rules have always been based on the other person and like how to kind of trick or hook the other person. And something I really like people to do is to instead sit and say, like, what is my relationship with sex? And, you know, do I feel comfortable having sex with someone on the first date? Because for a lot of people, they just they don't. And like they know that having sex with someone is going to make them feel very attached to them. It's going to raise the stakes of the relationship that's still just starting out. And so I actually think that like sometimes setting those boundaries for yourself can be good because you know who you are, you know your relationship to sex. From the outside, it'll appear like, oh, she's following or they're following these quote unquote rules, but it's for a totally different self-serving reason. Allison talks about that a lot. She's always like, well, you want to make the other person like you, but do you even like them? I'm like, oh, my God, girl. Well, she uh, went to master's in psychology. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to just jump in and say is that in my book, there's a pros and cons list for people to fill out about hookups versus long term relationships. The whole first section of the book is know thyself. It's really sitting with a lot of the questions that you just mentioned, Allison. You know, what do I want? And what do I want from this process? What do I want from myself as a dater? You know, how do I want to feel in a future relationship? So I think those are really important questions to ask on the outset of dating because some people go like, I want a partner. I just want to like settle down and da da da. But when you actually weigh the pros and cons for what's happening in your life at this moment, is that the best thing for you? Maybe not. And it's worth evaluating or at least like, interrogating to the point where you feel like super confident one way or the other. And being able to express maybe why you are waiting to whoever Mm. you're dating so Mm -hmm. that they don't think you're playing some game, but to be able to say, look, personally, I don't feel safe having sex until I'm in a uh, exclusive relationship. And so I'm not doing this to trick you. I'm just saying that we need time to figure out if we even want to be in an exclusive relationship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And having those kind of uncomfortable conversations up front will will save you a lot uh, in the in the future. I was going to say, yeah, like having those conversations up front, like how do you how do you do that? It's also in my experience, I, I would say that I am a high libido person. If you're a fan listening to this show, I I know, I know. I always thought of you more like a monk. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Point is. No judgment. I didn't come here to be read to film. Okay. But like, it's funny because people always say like, oh, when you, you know, if they're not having sex as much, like, oh, the relationship's over, blah, blah, blah. But like a lot of times I've had relationships where like we've broken up and like things have been bad, but like, the sex never waned. So like that wasn't an indicator that the relationship was going poorly in the way that like people seem to wholesale think it is. Your sex drive is going to change throughout the course of the relationship. What we've found is that sex tends to decrease in frequency. But if you are a high frequency person, 
and you find another high, you know, libido person, then that means maybe it'll drop, but like it won't necessarily be as perceptible as if you're, you know, with somebody who's, you know, a lower sex drive person who was just given that initial boost of energy by the newness of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are like, what just happened? Like, you know, we were having sex multiple times a day and like several times a week or every single day. And then now it's nothing. I mean, that can be a major change. But again, it doesn't necessarily have to reflect on the relationship. My favorite question to ask when someone says that they experience low libido or mismatched libido is when did this occur, right? Because there could be some life event that happened that corresponds to or correlates with the time where sex drive decreased. Maybe somebody got a new job and things were just really stressful for them and their priorities shifted. Maybe they're caring for a sick parent or, you know, having friendship drama, like any number of things can impact like how interested we are in sex. But I also think that we, this, there's also this myth of once we find somebody who we're sexually compatible with, then that's, that's love. Like that's it. You got to hold on to that. Right. And it feels great. It feels great to find somebody who gets you, you know, maybe you don't have to like explain a ton of things about your body to them. It's it just, flows, right? And I would say that that's so rare. So it's easy to get very seduced by, you know, those people who we feel really at home with physically and that will wear off too, right? <laughs> so, or if you know, it doesn't, it, it might keep you in a bad situation. Exactly, exactly. There it it will taper off for sure because that new relationship energy, that limerence can be so intoxicating, but it usually does start to chill out. And if you have a, an entire relationship that's full of limerence, and then maybe it's it's worth kind of checking in and seeing like what's going on here. Because that emotionally volatile relationships can provide that like kind of endorphin rush and sex can be really thrilling in those types of relationships. But are they the most healthy choice for us? Yeah. There's sort of a belief that like if if your sex life is going fine, then like, it's like only 10% of your relationship. But if you have sex problems, it's suddenly 90% of your relationship. Whoa, I've never heard that. Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you start having issues in that area it can kind of like bleed into into everything. So it mm-hmm. sort of is important to really address it up front, even if you want to just like ignore it because you're like everything else seems fine. Right. Because it's not just a conversation of you left your dishes in the sink. It's you left your dishes in the sink and we haven't had sex in three weeks. You know, it's like everything is compounded. Yeah. So I see that a lot. I see it a lot. If you want to hear the rest of this episode and let me tell you, you do head over to patreon.com slash just between us. And for three dollars a month, you can get access to all of our podcast episodes in full ad free. You can also get merch for this podcast at justbetweenuspod.com or alisonraskinexposed.com. Okay, that's it. Tatala T2. Tatala T2. Just between us.